Would you open your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 4? I'm going to read a little bit this morning, 33 verses in total. Um, It's the Bible. It's God's word. It's good enough, right? So we believe that it is God's word. And even if all I did was read this and say, amen, then God's word has been proclaimed and that's good enough. But I'm going to share just a little, don't get too excited because I'm going to share a little bit about it (laughs) with it. Um, But there's some powerful stuff in this that I want to read. And the main reason, honestly, is because this is all one thought that Jesus is giving. He's, he preaches a sermon, and then he explains the sermon to his disciples. So these 33 verses aren't multiple sermons, multiple thoughts. It's one thought from Jesus. So that's why we're going to read this all together, so that we get the thought that Jesus is trying to get to them. Have you found Mark 4? You ready, Gideon? Giddy up. Verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake, which I feel like we made a huge error. We shouldn't have built a building. We should put a lake back there and just a boat. And then there's our brand new church right there, right? That's how Jesus ruled. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen, And that's a word you're going to see often. Make note of this. He says, listen, hear. If you have ears, listen, hear. There's a word you're going to see over and over again in this this message. Listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came out and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew, it produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. You see the generous thing about the, the Lord, the sower? He's generous with his seed. He's sowing it everywhere. <laughs> generous with his word. And then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that... He goes on to say, so they may ever be seeing but not perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. And then Jesus said to them, do you not understand this parable? How will you then understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they, what? Hear it. Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no roots, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like the seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. He goes on to say here, now listen, do you bring up a lamp 
put it under a bowl or a bed. This is not a separate thought. This is all part of the same thought. Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever is concealed is meant to be brought into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear. He continued, with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. And even more, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have what they have will not be taken from them. And in the Matthew version and the Luke version, it's clear that what he's saying, the more that you have is actually hearing of the word. So it's, he, the, he ties those together. That's what he's talking about. And he goes on to say, he also said this, that this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in, his, uh, in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? And do you see a theme here? The seed. It's like a seed. It's like a mustard seed which is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all the garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Now, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, then he explained everything. That's God's word. Would you pray with me? Lord, we ask that your word would go deeply into us today and break through hard soil. I pray, Lord, that you would chip away at the hardness of our hearts. You would scrape away the rocks and the shallowness. Lord, that you would till up our hearts today pull the weeds and the thorns that might be tangling us that we might hear your word and change us today it's in your name Jesus that we pray amen a lot of talk about listening this week in the media I don't know if you how many of you guys have the Alexa in your home do you know about the Alexa okay that's not as many as I thought by the way come on be honest with me okay I feel better about this um, there was an article this week, uh, actually multiple articles, CNN, Bloomberg, whatever, reported that uh, Amazon workers are listening to you, what you tell Alexa. So if you're a grown man, 48 years old, and you said, Alexa, play Taylor Swift, 22. <laughs> Am I the only one that's actually said that out loud? <laughs> it's a good song. Bobby, am I right? I mean, it's possible somebody back at headquarters, Jeff Bezos, is like, dude, that is a creepy dude right there. Listening to Alexa. They said that um, there are recordings out there. So, you know, I don't know, hypothetically, if Martin is singing along to the Eagles in the shower, uh, that that recording might have been recorded and somebody back in Amazon headquarters listened to it and thought, dude, that dude can sing and forwards it to his workers to say, if you listen to this dude, that guy, he's just nailing that Henley part, the high one. I don't know. We were going to crucify him on Easter because of the beard, but um, <laughs> maybe it's still possible. But until then, we're going to let him sing.
what you get for sitting in the front row, man. That's all I can say. <laughs> third row, third, ser- third service after I've been teaching for like seven nights in a row. It's going to get real fun in here in a minute. People are listening to you at headquarters. They say, their excuse is that, well, we aren't listening to that much. But we're listening. And they say they're listening because they can learn and help the machines learn what we're saying. Because the machines might not understand Taylor Swift. They might not understand that a grown man actually did want to hear 22. Like they might not know. So they're programming that stuff in and that's why they're listening. Because they're hearing, but they need to be, Alexa has to be careful how she hears to be able to give you what you've asked for. It's why when you have, if you've ever received a voice text from me, sometimes it says weird words. Because it's not what I said, but that's what Suri heard me say because she didn't understand me. Because it turns out I slur apparently a lot when I speak or I speak quickly. Or... So Alexa didn't understand. Suri didn't understand. They were hearing but not hearing carefully. Verse 24 of chapter 4 of Mark, he says, be very careful how you're hearing this. Consider how you're hearing this. Luke chapter 8 in the parallel version, verse 18 says, be careful. I think it's take heed how you hear. Be careful how you hear this. Because you could hear this and not actually hear what I'm saying and not understand that the kingdom of God was going to come through the way, through your ears, right? Romans 10, 27, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So you have to hear, your ears are your filter to your soul. You have to be careful because I want you to hear what I'm saying, not what you think I'm saying. And then he goes on to give these examples of soil. Three of them are filters. They almost are like a confirmation bias. You know what I'm saying when I say confirmation bias? Like, I believe this already, so I heard him say this, and I'm just making it bend to the truth of what I believe is already happening. So this filter becomes that for when the word comes in. Instead of, I didn't hear what Jesus really said, I'm hearing what I wanted him to have said. One of the greatest ironies is actually in this parable itself, when you've ever heard it taught about this is a good way to evangelize, that you're the evangelist and you sow the word, right? That's not what he was saying. Even though it makes a great evangelism sermon, that's not being careful how I hear because that's not what he was talking about. Pretty ironic, isn't it? Be careful how you hear because you might have hard heart. That might be the filter that you're hearing the word through is a a hard heart. And in a hard heart, have you ever been... um, in a, I guess College Grove's got a few of these. When you look out into a pasture and you see the path, you know where the cows have been and where they go. Because that's the path they go over and over again. It's the path they always take and it's hardened, the grass is gone and nothing grows there because it's been trampled on. In fact, most developing nations, I mean, Jennifer went to Haiti with this and there's times when you go to somebody's house, you're like, where are we going? And the, but that's the sidewalk. And the sidewalk is just a path where people have walked on over and over and over again that just happens to beat the grass down to get to it. It's a hardened path and it's hardened because livestock's been climbing on it. Humans have been climbing on it. And this hard heart that he talks about in these verses here is a heart that is one that has been trampled on, walked on, crapped on, livestock. He says that when the seed goes on that path where the word is sown, as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away. To put it differently, if your heart is hard, You've got this protection mechanism. That's where it comes from. None of us are born with a hard heart. If you've been around a child, you've got a four-year-old, ask them if they think they're awesome. They say, of course I am. I was hanging out with the kids a little bit in between services, and I, I told one of them, man, you look 
awesome today. I mean, you, you look cool. You look, and he says, yes. <laughs> but somewhere between five and 50, we learn we know better than that, don't we? Because the hardness of our heart, because we've been walked on, we've been trampled on, you've been abused. And so you begin to form this shell around your heart. That, uh, that hurt, I learned my lesson about that one and I'm never gonna trust, I'm never gonna love that way again. Remember the book, C.S. Lewis, The Four Loves? He wrote this, he says that to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love of any kind, love anything and your heart will be wrung out and possibly broken. If you're a parent of a teenager, you know that's true, don't you? If you wanna make sure of keeping it intact, here's how you don't ever get hurt. You must give it to no one, not even an animal. And if you've ever buried a dog that you've had your whole life, or their whole life, you know, you don't even want to give it to a dog. You wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. By the way, notice if you can't cross-reference the three types of, of soil here, these filters, with what he's writing. The little luxuries avoid all the entanglements. He talks about that in a minute with the shallow soil. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, and airless, it will change. It won't be broken. It'll become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The love is to be vulnerable. But I don't want to do that because I'm going to get hurt. And I don't want to feel that way. And so for those of you that have experienced that, the thing that you most likely do when you approach God's word is you approach it not from your heart but from your head. It's academic now. And when it's academic, the hardness of it, it's all in my head, it's not here, it just bounces off of me. So there's no power into my soul. There's no, you know, what if it's just emotion? What if it's just, so I'm, I'm, I'm literally protecting it and now making it purely an academic exercise and denying the power of God inside of this word. Because I've hardened my heart, I've protected it. And he's saying, that's hard. When you take that filter with the word, you can actually memorize tons of scripture and not know God at all. You can know all about Jesus and not know Jesus because you've allowed the word to be bounced off an enemy comes and picks and pulls it away. And he doesn't just stop with just a hard heart. That is one of them. Another, he goes on to talk about the shallow heart. He talks about the, the soil of rocky places that they hear the word and once they receive it, they receive it with joy. A lot of times if you've grown up any, or maybe you're in currently a, a very charismatic expression of Jesus um, I believe that the Holy Spirit still moves. I believe that he still does miracles. I believe that these signs will follow those who believe, not that we follow signs. It's completely backwards. But if that's what you've embraced, it's like the almost the exact opposite of the hardened heart is the shallow heart because I believe that he is kicking butt and taking names and casting out demons and healing people and it's awesome until, until... They have no roots, and in a short time, when trouble, listen, when trouble or persecution comes because of the world, they quickly fall away. When the trouble or persecution becomes because of the word, I'm sorry, they fall away. The persecution that's speaking of is the persecution we're currently experiencing in Western culture because of the word, because of what Jesus said. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And it's happening as the persecution is coming. And if we don't have roots deep into the word, you're seeing pastors, you're seeing brothers and sisters. You probably know some of them. Maybe you are one of them. 
Because when it was exciting and it was awesome, that was great. But when the persecution was coming, the troubles were coming because of the word, you really believe that? You really think that? You really, you watch it this week, by the way. It happens every year. History Channel, Discovery Channel, they start talking. They do these documentaries questioning the existence of Jesus, questioning your faith from a purely academic level. And if your heart, if it's not deep enough in it, then you will run away from it because the word was there. It started to take root. You were in the front row until the trouble came and then you went away. That's because you went through a filter that said, I'm, I'm literally not gonna go deep with this. I'm just going for the surface of it. Now, the third one is one that is like a divided heart. It's the thorns. Uh, I'm gonna make a confession that's kind of embarrassing, but I don't think anybody's gonna be surprised. Um, I suck at gardening. Now you know. Because of the weeds. Who wants to do that? Do you know what I'm saying? That's why they make the farmer's market for people that like to pull weeds. I'm just not a fan of that. I'm a fan of you drop it in the ground, you come back six weeks later and get an ear of corn. That's what I'm a fan of. And that's just not how it works, is it? And what Jesus seems to be referring to here is a divided loyalty. This is honestly the most miserable of all of the souls, of all of the soils. Because the first two, you can, be, I'm out of here. Jesus isn't who he said he was going to be. I really wanted a blesser, and, and I, what I needed was a savior. But I didn't, so I left, like I've left. But this one's different, because this one is me saying to Jesus, hey, I, scooch over on the throne. I got some ideas here. Me saying, Jesus, while I want you, know, you to be my Lord and Savior, what I really want is for me to be your Lord and Savior. I'm looking for my kingdom to come, my will to be done. I'm looking for you to be a good consultant for me, but I'm not interested in you having uh, any sort of lordship over me. It's not accepting, uh, Jesus is not accepting you to be his Lord and Savior. It's the other way around. And what does he say here? That when that happens, when, we, when I'm saying to Jesus, I, and it's why it's so sad because he talks about thorns choking you out. You can't go forward because you're trapped in the thorns of the cares of this life that you've made your Lord, but you can't go backwards because you know too much. You know better than that. And so it's like this suspended animation of being trapped, choked out by the weeds. Jesus' invitation was for you to come into his kingdom, for you to be his servant, not the other way around. He wasn't offering a, a joint partnership in lordship over your life. He wasn't offering the opportunity for me to give him some things that I would like some input on. It's an all or nothing game. And Jesus, if you're the Lord of the universe, if you're the God that created everything, he has that right because it's true. Not because he's a bully, because it's true. Those are the three soils. And those are his fourth soil. It's like Nebraska soil, Iowa soil, Tennessee soil. For all the mountains and the beauty here, the soil is terrible. Am I right, people? This whole thing, when you go to tractor supply and you got to get your pH balances and all, I don't know what you're doing with the soil here. In Nebraska, you could drop seeds on the way to the field and it grows things. It's just, it's like black and dark and amazing soil. And that's the soil that Jesus says when you hear the word and you take it in, that stuff grows out of that. And here's the beauty of this. These three soils that he described before, he didn't describe soil that had been stripped 
soil that didn't have any, any life in it anymore. That's a soil he could have described. He could have described soil like we've seen in Haiti, the, the pictures where you see that half of the island of, the, of Hispaniola, that the half of the island is brown and arid, and the other half is green and lush because the Haitian side had been stripped and had been over-farmed. That's not the soil he described. The soil he's describing is just soil that has trouble on the outside that if farmed properly will grow. You are not irredeemable. The, the hardened heart, the hardened soil, it just needs a tiller to come. You ever been on a tiller? Do you know what I'm talking about? It just tills up the hardened soil and brings, breaks the top and brings up the good soil. You just need a, a farmer to come along to start removing the rocks, to start scraping that stuff off because underneath is this amazing soil. You just need a farmer to come along and to start pulling weeds from you. Now, in this story of the parable of the sower, which one are we? We are the soil. We are not the sower. We are not the farmer. He is the farmer. So I'm not preaching to you this morning a religious ritual where you now need to go start pulling your own weeds. That's not the promise. The promise is that the sower would do that. And our sower who is generous with his seeds, a sower who is generous with his sowing. It only takes a small opening in a hard soil for something to grow out of it. Your heart, if it's hard, is closer to being redeemed than you know. It just takes a farmer to come in. It might hurt to break that hardened heart around you, but underneath is the soil, and he wants to place the seed of his word inside of you because inside of you that will grow. And I love in the, the further parables, he says, this guy that's sowing the word, he's going to sleep and he wakes up and it's just growing stuff and he doesn't know how, but it's doing it on its own. It's the picture of fruit of the spirit. The sower isn't working it in there. The sower, the sower is doing the work and the, the, the soil is just receiving the seed and the seed does all the work is beautiful when you think about it because Jesus did not use the metaphor of a missile coming in and blowing the place up. That's not the kingdom of God. He didn't use the metaphor of a bulldozer coming through and clearing out the property. In a matter of months out here, we're going to be, I mean, even this week, Moe's got, there's flags everywhere. Don't touch them, by the way, because we'll get in trouble. These flags, they're going to drill holes and they're going to test this soil. They're going to figure out what kind of soil we're in. Sorry. Sometimes the song just takes hold of you. <laughs> One of these days, y'all are going to have your flow rider ringtone go off, and we're going to know. <laughs> Phyllis, if I'm being honest, I hope you have a flow rider ringtone. You don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Somebody download a flow rider for Phyllis. Jesus isn't going to come bulldoze your land like we got to bulldoze this land so that we can build something on it. That's not the kingdom of God. That can change the soil temporarily, but a seed can change it for eternity. I love Tim Keller's metaphor. He talks about an acorn, that it's this little small seed. You could put it on a sidewalk, step on it, and crush it. But inside that seed is so much power that if you bury it in the ground, it can grow enough wood to cover the earth because it grows one more and that's what this, what this little seed would grow and it just keeps growing and the farmer doesn't even know how but it just keeps doing it. If you've heard this as a message before of that you're the sower and you gotta go out and start witnessing to people, there's enough 
text in the New Testament that says we're supposed to be preaching the gospel. That's true. This just isn't one of them. This is a message, a mustard seed, a sower putting seed in you, saying that the word of God is so powerful that it's not just building a building on top of you, it's changing your life inside of you. A seed inside of you so small. The sower sows the word. And we're gonna talk next week on Easter in Genesis 3. When the promise of redemption was given, it was the seed of the woman, a seed that was going to save. And Jesus would say that unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, there's a picture here even in this parable of the miracle of what Jesus was going to do himself. That he would give you that kind of gift that we ourselves could then let ourselves be the seed that falls into the ground and dies that can then bring forth fruit. Not to die to suffer, but to die to live. It's the, it's the language of scripture over and again. And it happened, this good soil that is in you right now, that Jesus wants to grow the word out of, that grow this fruit out of, that it can happen. Because Jesus would walk a path, wouldn't he? Hardened path, the Via Dolorosa this hard path that he would walk along, rocky and barren and shallow. And they would place thorns on his head. <laughs> it's a beautiful picture of what Jesus was going to do for us right here in the parable of the sower. And they would put him behind stones, rock under the ground, but he wouldn't stay there because he would push that rock from the tomb so that he could push the rocks away from your heart, pull the thorns out of your life, till that soil up, put the seed inside of you so that you could explode with life. That's a beautiful promise, isn't it? I hope it lands squarely in your heart today. Maybe this week, maybe this week, the Spirit of God will come and start pulling those thorns out, those weeds out. You just say, Jesus, come. He said, if you ask, anybody that asked for the Holy Spirit, he'd give him. He's not going to give you something different. Ask for him. Reveal this hardness. Take the water of the word and begin to soften me. Mold you. It's the language of scripture, isn't it? Beautiful. Let him pull those weeds out. Let him soften that soil. Till it up. It's not too late. Your heart is not irredeemable. He's not going to force himself on you. He just wouldn't. But boy, his invitation is there. This Palm Sunday leading into the week of Resurrection Sunday. Walk out this week knowing that Jesus wants to come in and put life in you and life more abundantly. He didn't say, hey, here's a whole bunch of new advice and guidelines that I'm gonna give you. I'm just gonna put a seed inside of you. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Stand and, and let's pray. Jesus, it's our prayer today that your logos, your 
meaning your purpose is alive in us today. I pray that just like the one that planted the seeds, he didn't know what was going on with it. It was just happening underneath of the dirt. But even if we don't see it, Lord, might we know that your word is growing inside of us right now? Changing us slowly but surely and permanently and eternally. We invite you, Jesus, to till up our hearts. <laughs> Not to harm us, but to help us. Scrape away those rocks. Get that divided loyalty out of us that we might fall into the ground ourselves and die and be resurrected as life. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, I love you. I'll be praying for you this week and excited about Easter with you next Sunday.